Amen. If you have found it in your Bible and you got your Bible, say amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourself with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks you have kindled. This you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. God's strategy of silence. Amen. Lord, speak tonight to us. In a message in which I am calling God's strategy of silence, I'm asking you to speak to us tonight. I believe your word is going to speak to us, and I believe we're going to hear from you, and we're going to understand some things better. Amen. By your help, in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Say amen. Amen. That sounds good. Y'all can keep doing that every once in a while. Be all right with me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Wayne. Hallelujah. Amen. In Mark chapter 16 and verses 17 through 18, the Lord said, These signs shall follow them that believe. They're going to cast out demons. They're going to speak with new tongues. If they, you know, if they take up serpents, if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Right? Now we believe that around here. We believe that it is the time for these things to happen. We believe that we are the people God wants to use through which these things would happen. We believe that we are on the cusp of seeing many more of these kind of things happen than we have seen in the past. And any time, and, and, and for that reason, I, I, I'm preaching some here lately. For where we're going to be, not necessarily where we're at right now. But I do believe it's God's timing because He's equipping and preparing us. And so tonight, believing that we're going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, and while we've seen it happen some, we're going to see it a whole lot more. Believing that supernatural manifestations and giftings are going to be used and given, that this is going to be the norm, if you will, then we need to understand that these kind of gifts, these kind of things, must be accompanied with a great measure of spiritual maturity. Otherwise, the pressures uh, of it will become a stumbling block to us to be tripped over. There have been plenty that have tripped over and stumbled over when God started using them in ways that we're talking about. And tonight I want to address the pressure of silence. One of the most difficult things to deal with is God speaking to you, God uh, gifting you to help somebody, whether it be to lay hands on them and pray for them and their sickness is healed, whether it be to just speak something, perhaps a testimony, but it was a God-given directive that the Lord had, 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 had timed and made it just right so it would have its effect. You would be the witness that 
He is empowering you to be whatever it may be that God would use you in that helps hurting and needy people. And when God has used you in that way, and then there is someone that you see or encounter that desperately seems to need that help. Maybe they are sick. I was listening to a pastor talking about uh, in the early days of his ministry when he was just kind of assisting a pastor in New York and the, the, the pastor took him on, on a hospital visitation and uh, in between this hospital and that hospital uh, praying for people sometimes in desperate need and things like that this seasoned pastor said to the young man you know that unless the rapture happens pretty soon that's the only way out of here talking about the hospital talking about sickness talking about uh, failing health and things like that there are people that we will encounter that their dire circumstance moves us with compassion and causes our, uh, our, our desire to be turned up to red hot about their need because we're greatly concerned about them and we know that we know the answer and we've seen him do it before but in this particular situation no matter how desperate it may seem they obviously need a miracle they obviously need something to happen there may be Complete silence, seeming complete inactivity on God's part. I'm not tonight in any way attempting to discourage you from believing, praying, and pursuing everything that God will do. But it can be an awkward situation when you're presented with a test of character, really, and maturity where in the past, man, you just walked in, you felt authority, you felt boldness, you walked over, you laid hands on them. I'm being real careful because I'm a little rough on you the other night. Prayer meeting if y'all wasn't here. Give me a pretty big boy. He might come back on me. You've walked in with boldness. Man, you've just declared the word of God. Our God's a healer. you laid hands on them. you prayed for them. And you saw God do the miraculous. You saw God bring them, raise them up. And, 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 and you know what God can do. But you walk into a, another situation... And it may feel like our reputation's kind of on the line. I'm just being honest with you and getting down there where the rubber meets the road. I'm not saying God can't do it, but and, and, and I'm not trying to be a doubter tonight. But I've known some pretty anointed people. I've known some folks that walked with God. Amen. And the ones I've known, they've been to hospitals and prayed for folks, and folks have got right up out of beds and walked out. That's happened. But not everybody in that hospital did that they prayed for. That's right. Right? Right. Uh, this wouldn't matter if I didn't believe we was going somewhere. This wouldn't matter if I didn't believe we was going to start seeing it happen more and more. Right. Because then your faith wouldn't be challenged. Then you wouldn't, you wouldn't need necessarily so much to understand this. Because you just learn to live with kind of silence and 
nothing happening, you know. But that ain't the case around here. We believe in God's taking us to a place where it's going to be ordinary for us Sunday morning somebody to get healed. Yes, yes amen. It, it's, it's, I, I mean, we're not going to let it get so ordinary that we don't have a praise break. Yes. Right, right. It's not going to get so ordinary that we don't. We, it, it's just what's going to happen is our praise is just going to rise to a level that it's up there. Yes. Amen. We, we shouted there to Watusi and, and looked around and somebody got healed. We just did it all over again. We just already did it. You know? I, I'm talking about I'm talking about where God's taking us. These things happen in an atmosphere of praise and worship and, and lifting up God. You don't believe God's worthy to be praised. You don't believe He's a mighty God who's able to do anything. You don't believe He wants to do things for us. Amen. Then what are you going to praise God for? But if you really believe that, I'm telling you, the one don't come without the other. Either you're going to praise God and magnify Him that He can do the impossible. Amen. Or you're not going to see the impossible. You wonder why you wonder why folks don't get the Holy Ghost in some churches. Amen. Well, they don't believe God can do it, so they don't praise Him as the baptizer with the Holy Ghost. That's right. They don't believe God's going to do it, so so they don't say He must increase, we must decrease, let the Holy Ghost move, and, and, and that kind of thing. And so it doesn't happen because they don't praise God as the baptizer with the Holy Ghost. But when you get to church, Amen, where they start singing and talking about this God who wants to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, Amen, fire shut up in my bones. You you get to church like that when they praise God like that. I'll tell you what happened. The Holy Ghost will fall. Somebody will go home speaking in tongues. That's just the way it works. And so, so as as we uh, as we we begin to see the increase in the manifestation, the power, and the work of God amongst us and around us, and Him using us in all these ways, the the, the pressures of people's expectations and their assumptions about us and how God uses us and all of that can push us, if we're not careful, into dangerous waters where some folks have shipwrecked their integrity and some folks have shipwrecked their ministry because they did not understand, amen, that there are times when God just is silent. There are times when God just don't do anything. And, and you, you can, you know, let that shake your faith in God or you can just begin to understand that there are times when God has a strategy of silence. That if we don't understand that, there's going to be pressure on us and temptation on us to just do something on our own right. rather than... Let God work His plan. Right. And, and just, just work with God. We start wanting to work on our own. And then we get in trouble like Saul did in the first battle and challenge of the Philistines that he engaged in that we talked about this morning. Now, I'm going to explain it to you, all right? As a teacher. Amen. There, there are people that are such gifted teachers. Uh, brother uh, Dan Seagrave is a tremendous one. He he, he preached and he taught uh, at at uh, my church where my mom goes in Jonesboro last weekend and and uh, man, it's awesome, awesome stuff. I heard about some of the things and all, and just just a gifted man in teaching. I've watched some of the videos of him teaching and and I enjoy it so much as he just breaks down the word of God and all that and seems to have an answer to difficulties and things like that in the Bible and all and explain things and like that. But you understand that a man like that. There is a uh, there, there there is expectations that are placed upon him, amen. That that, that uh, whatever situation, I, I'm sure in a church the size of uh, of the Pentecostals of Jonesboro, there was somebody sitting there and probably just chomping at the bit to catch him as soon as church was over to have him explain to them why this happened in my hand, my home, my family, my situation, right? Well, you're a teacher. I mean, that's you. 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 Uh, that's your ministry that God has given you. You have a reputation, and you have uh, speaking engagements, and and uh, those. Uh, 
you know, there, there could be, if folks begin to believe that, well, maybe God shows you things at times in his word, but other times he, he just don't really talk to you. He don't have an answer for something. You're a teacher. You're supposed to have answers. That's what you do, right? Now, how great the temptation could be to say, when asked about something you don't have an answer from God on, to manufacture one. Right. Well, uh, and, and maybe say something that as a teacher that you really don't have anything to back it up. You're just, you're kind of out there. You're just praying and hoping nobody knows. You know, what you what you said was not really, you couldn't back that up and everything. You're just hoping nobody finds out and everything. And you're trying to protect your own reputation. You're trying to, and, and what happens? That pressure, believe me, is real. As a pastor, people come. They, they want, they, they got this going on, that going on. They, they need counsel. They need direction. They need help. They're hurting and, and they want an answer. And there are times when I, I'm going to confess to you, I've had to tell people I don't have an answer for you. Right. I can point you to the one who is the answer. But I can't explain that. Right. I don't know how you're going to come out of that. All I can do is tell you who you can go to and go with you and we'll pray about this. Amen. In fact, half the time, amen, you just about be, I mean, God will give you wisdom and counsel and the Lord's helped me at times when I need it like that. But there are a lot of times we'd be just good off we just meet at the altar and pray about it. Amen. Now, now I'm not saying that the answer to everything is pray about it. Um, uh, there are some things that need counsel. There are some things that need, and in the multitude of counselors, the scripture says there's safety. Amen. It's important. But I want you to understand that sometimes, amen, we've got to discipline ourselves, and especially as God begins to challenge us and use us in ways, amen, the Lord sometimes uh, uh, we, will be silent, and we've got to to mature and grow and discipline ourselves, amen, so that we can just be silent when God is silent. Because if I step out on that limb and tell you, if you do this, this, and this, God's going to fix this and it's all going to be good, amen, I'm just stepping out there on my own. And it don't work out. I do a lot of damage. Yes, amen. I do more harm than I do good. And so I've got to I've got to be willing to say, I don't know. I've got to be willing to say, I, I have nothing. I'm going to pray about it. If God gives me something, I'll let you know. I can tell you this. You can't go wrong praying, reading your Bible, being faithful, being obedient in everything you can to God. Because then you kind of put the ball in His court. But there are times when God's purpose, He's doing something that requires silence and we've got to let Him do that. <laughs> Hallelujah. I cannot manufacture a move of God. I can try to spark something. Amen. There are times when I worship, or, or, or you know, I say worship, but I, I may shout, I may leap. Sometimes I leap for joy because I got joy, and that's caused me to leap. But other times I leap because I want joy. Yes. You understand? Yes. Right? And there been more than one time that, that I walked in, sat down, and the singer started singing and everything, and and and. Uh, uh, it wasn't a singer's fault, but folks, they, they were just kind of a deadness in the place. And you know what I did? I, 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 this can't be. So I stand up. I start clapping my hands. And, and, uh, and, and I just push on into worship because I know that uh, we're, 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 people will lift the Lord up. Amen. Things will happen. Right? Amen. But if I'm just trying to manufacture a move of God, and there are people that do stuff like that. Yes. I've been to places where folks have got called in, all they you know, they, they had kind of like a healing ministry and stuff like that. 
And, and, and I mean, that would pop folks on the back of the microphone, they'd make that loud pop, and everybody kind of jump, and everybody something just happened. And, you know, just trickery and stuff like that, and trying to, 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 to manufacture something and make people believe something and, 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 and uh, you know, pushing the right buttons and saying the right things and all of that. Amen. And, and uh, the men, they got it down to a T. It is fine-tuned. They know just when to emphasize and just when to kind of whisper in the microphone. And I don't believe in being boring in church. I pray the Lord helps me, amen, to be a little variable, a little change and change things up and keep it uh, interesting and keep us moving forward and all of that. But I'm telling you, I cannot afford to try to manufacture and cube that once you figure out how to do it, you can just kind of do it every time? I don't want nothing like that. I want a God that's always challenging me. I want a God that's always amazing me. I want a God, amen, that is fresh and real. And that's what the Lord wants to be in our lives. Whether it's your compassion or whether it's your credibility on the line or whatever, it can sometimes... Be a temptation in us. Can be that. And uh, lack of integrity never really builds faith over a long haul. It just don't do it. Amen. Sometimes we're tempted to put in that hamburger helper. And bail God out. Amen. Because he don't answer fast enough for us. And we want to make it happen. Amen. You heard people say, why does God allow a person to continue in suffering? And man, you want to give them an answer. You want to say, well, here's what's going on. Let me explain this to you. This is, you know, God's, God's doing this and this and and uh, when, when, when they get this message, it's, it's all going to be over and it's all going to be fixed. And, and we want to just kind of bail God out and explain what is happening. And we rush to provide an answer. But maturity in ministry is a willingness sometimes to speak difficult messages. probably getting ready to preach a message on hell that's not an easy message to preach sometimes you have to do that sometimes you have to preach on sin call sin out that's part of it maturity in ministry is being willing to do whatever God instructs you to do no matter how hard it may seem but it's also sometimes, it's also sometimes when we just understand that I've got to be willing to be silent and let God work. Amen. Amen. Now, my circumstances, myself, sometimes, it can get so hard, so 
you know, difficult, so acute that I, I'm desperate. God, I need an answer. Lord, I need something to happen. I need, and, 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 and sometimes the Lord doesn't speak anything. And that's all right. I, I, don't, I don't really like it, but I've learned that when he don't speak something new, I keep doing what he told me last. And I got plenty of things to find in this book that will show me how better to live, how better to please God. Things I'm not doing, I can be doing. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it's a sin. And I'm repenting every day about stuff like that. Uh, I got plenty of things like that. Amen. But, but in the meantime... I'm going to keep on doing whatever I know to do. Whatever God's word says, whatever God has spoken to me, I'm going to keep on doing that, amen, during those silent times because that is what God wants us to do. King Saul tarried seven days. He thought it was time for the prophet to show up. The prophet didn't show up and he took matters into his own hands and started because he needed a word from God. He needed something to happen right then. They're fixing going to battle. He needs to know what to do, what approach, what, what you know. You Got to have something right now. People's deserting. The enemy's amassing themselves. A multitude against us. Time is running out. And the prophet hadn't showed up. Amen. God hadn't done nothing yet. So I'm going to do something myself. And he stepped out of the boundaries there. And what happened is it created a greater crisis than what he had started with. Amen. All right. All right. I know this is kind of teaching, preaching here tonight. And I've got to move quickly. But waiting for God will reveal the heart. See, I'm explaining here right now why sometimes God is silent. Because when we have to wait on Him, it reveals our heart. Amen. Good. It revealed Saul's heart. Yeah. We didn't know a lot about Saul until this point. Everything we knew is pretty much good. But we found out there was some stuff in the heart that we didn't really realize was there. It was the first major test for Saul. Think about when Moses come down off that mountain with those tablets and he had been up there with the Lord for a while longer than the people thought. And they're like, what are we going to do? Moses is gone. He's up there with God. We got our own situations down here. And they erect a golden calf and they start worshiping it. Amen. What they found, what Moses found out was that golden calf had already been in their heart. And now, amen, they, they made it, they built it, they manufactured it because that's what was in their heart. Idolatry was in the heart of God's people. Amen. They'd just come out of Egypt. You'd have think they didn't care nothing about idols anymore. The Lord had split the Red Sea and let them out. But it doesn't take but just a few minutes when God's not speaking to them. And Moses up on the mountain, he's hearing from God. They're not hearing anything from God. And Moses ain't showing up. They wanted Moses to be the messenger anyway. Amen. But when Moses gets a little delayed and takes a little longer coming down to what they expected and wanted, they're like, okay, well, let's do something else. Right. And what they did was what was in their heart. They would struggle with that and struggle with that and struggle with that all the way until the captivity in Babylon and that cured them many hundreds of years later. But it would be a great struggle for them. It would. And on the other hand, God's lack of intervention caused a wholly different response in King David. The psalmist David wrote, now, we think a good song, you know, it's, it's got to say, the Lord, the Lord, the answer's on the way. This I know. Some of David's psalms was like, oh, Lord, I don't know if you're ever going to answer. But you know what he did? He wrote those psalms. He didn't build golden calves. He didn't turn to idols. He turned to God. He didn't have an answer. He couldn't explain it. His, his, his song was more of a complaint sometime than it was a worship song. But you know what? At least he was telling God. He was talking to God. He said, I ain't got anywhere else to go. If the Lord don't help, I ain't got any help. So I'm just going to talk to him about it. And that's what he did. He wrote songs. Amen. And he didn't move without God. Amen. 
He didn't say, well, God hadn't showed up, so I'm going to go erect the calf. Amen. He did not say, well, God hadn't showed up, so I'm going to go down and start offering sacrifices myself and doing stuff myself. Amen. He said, we're going to wait on God. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. Amen. He lays it out in Psalms how he can't explain things and stuff. Oh, God, why did the heathen rage? Lord, why does this happen? Lord, why does that happen? Amen. But he keeps talking to the Lord and he keeps talking about the Lord. Amen. And it reveals a man with a heart after God. And silence from God will sometimes do that. Every one of us is going to struggle through times of learning to walk with God when He's silent. And you're not going to grow spiritually until you learn how to do that. Amen. And and, And you're going to have to understand, if you're going to minister to people, if you're going to help people, then you've got to understand sometimes God has a strategy of silence. He doesn't always speak, sometimes even in desperate situations. We don't grasp that. We'll try to manufacture something. And no matter how well-intentioned our efforts may be, no matter how good our heart may be, we can become a stumbling block to somebody. Amen. Now, part of the process of spiritual maturity is coming to the edge of our understanding and walking on ahead without knowing what's going to happen next. You remember Peter. Lord, if that be you, bid me to come. The Lord is walking on the water. Peter's never seen anybody walk on water. He's raised around the water. He's he's been around the water all his life. He's never seen anybody walk on the water. Lord, if that is you, Lord, come. He steps over the edge of that boat and puts a foot down. And then another one. And then another one. And all of a sudden, the boat's back there behind him. And he's walking on water. Faith is in action. Amen? Amen. Everything he knows says you'll sink when he puts his foot down. And he is walking on water. Amen. I remember the story about a young lady in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, back around 1900, 1901, 1902, revivals sweeping after a Street and all of that, and revivals coming. And Eureka was kind of a place where they had conferences and things like that. It was a, a gathering place, a, a meeting place for a lot of different organizations and things like that. And they even had a Bible school there for a while. And there was a choir that was singing. And it was in a theater where they had, you know, in the old theaters, they had an orchestra pit down below. And, and there was an orchestra pit right in front of the platform. And this young lady got to shouting, speaking in tongues, and dancing before the Lord, lost in the spirit. And she danced out right over that orchestra pit on air. Dancing on air. You say, well, that walking on water stuff, you know, that, that ain't never happened again. You don't know what God may do. That's right. You don't know what God may do. Right. Amen. Amen. Sometimes he calls us to step out beyond our understanding. Yes. Amen. Past the edge of our understanding and walk on in faith. Amen. When we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't have a word about what's going to happen next. There ain't no explanation. There ain't nothing to give us any understanding. All we know is I hear the Lord saying go. I, I, I hear the Lord saying come. Amen. And, and so here I am and I'm stepping out. And God is putting us in places like that. And there's going to be times when you're not going to know what the next step's going to be. Amen. But by faith, you just pick that foot up and reach out there. But I'm here to tell you tonight, amen, you're going to grow in the Lord because you learn to walk on even when you walk in darkness. So listen to Isaiah. He said, who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Now it's not talking about walking in the darkness of the result of sin and and, and immorality and all of that kind of walking in darkness here. It's talking about a darkness of just not understanding, not being able to see, uh, being being as if blindfolded. I, I don't know what. Amen. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has 
no light. I know the psalmist said the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I know that. Sometimes that's all I got. Amen. And it doesn't really address my present situation directly. And I don't know what I'm going to do. But here's what I can do. Amen. I can understand there are times when I must walk in darkness. Right. Unknown territory. I don't have a clear light. I don't have a sign, flashing sign saying, go this way. Amen. But then he continues on the next verse, verse 11 from our text. Look, all you who kindle a fire. Now he's talking here about a whole different group. There are those that walk in darkness and we're just trusting God. Amen. But there are those who, when those times come, they kindle their own fire. Listen, all you who kindle a fire, encircle yourself with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks you have kindled. He said, this you'll have from my hand. This is what's going to happen to you. You're going to lay down in torment. You think it's going to bring peace. You think it's going to ease the situation. You think it's going to help you because you stepped out there and kindled your own fire. Amen. And here's what resulted from is going to result from that amen there's going to be a lot of pain there's going to be a lot of torment it's not you're not going to sleep better at night amen you're going to you're not you're not going to have real peace in the lord you're not going to find what it is to rely upon his god that isaiah said in verse 10 about those who walk in darkness but they trust in the lord those when things get dark and they don't know an answer they'll try to act like they do I'll try to come up with something. Amen. It's fleshly activity. That's the fire of the sparks it's talking about. And it's talking about man-made counterfeit fire. That is not the real thing. You can never substitute God's light. Amen. If you're in darkness, don't be trying to substitute God's light. Amen. Just trust God. Wait on the Lord. Yeah. God will give light when there's when it's time, when you need it. But there are times when it's you've got to just walk in that darkness and trust God. But that's part of growing in the Lord. That's part of learning to understand and to relate and work with Him. Amen. And, and so I'm going to call it this. It's learning the art of dangling. Learning the art of dangling. And sometimes God holds out like to the last minute. Because yes. uh, it's going to reveal whether we're going to panic or whether we're just going to trust him in our times of uncertainty. Amen. Sometimes we misunderstand God's silence. Amen. God is infinite in his mind, in his complexity. I, I mean... He's, his ways are so far above us. And one of the things we have to learn from the Gospels, all right? Everybody say Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Pastor, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. There you go. There you go. The Gospels, right? The introduction to the New Testament. The life of Christ, right? If there's anything you ought to learn about reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's that sometimes God gives answers we didn't expect. Yeah. Right? Hello? Why would we think now we can all figure him out? We watch when he walked on earth, and man, you're reading, and all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't remember reading that before. Did he really say that? It's not what we expect. We expect him to be the compassionate, loving God, and sometimes he does things that we just simply can't explain and don't understand unless we maybe have perspective after it's all over and look back on her, he explains it or something like that, then we understand. But there are times when he doesn't answer. There's times when he's silent. There's times when he doesn't do anything and we, ought, we think he ought to be active and doing stuff. And for, for, if, if for no other reason than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we ought to come to the conclusion that we shouldn't just say something if God don't say it and just expect to speak for God every time. Amen. Because sometimes he says stuff we would not expect. Amen. All right, Matthew 15, 21. Jesus was thence departed the coast of Tyre, Sidon. There's a woman of Canaan come out the coast, cried unto him, said, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter's grievously vexed with the devil. 
But he answered her not a word. His disciples came and they besought him. Disciples, they don't even understand. Uh, Lord, they don't see a fix for this, so they just say, Lord, send her away. She cried after us. And he said, I, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came, worshiped him, and said, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, First, he's silent. We don't think that's right. Then when he answers, he says, it's not meat to give the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Would you have said that? If, if you're going to manufacture a word in this one, you're going to say, well, the Lord says, it's going to be hard high. You know, you'd, you'd come up with something you would not say. It's not good to give the master's meat to the dogs. Huh? And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Yes. But first there was silence. Yes. She could have got frustrated. She could have misunderstood. She could, but you know what the Lord was doing? He was drawing out her faith. Yeah. You see, he's so much wiser than us. We wouldn't do it that way. But oh, in his infinite wisdom, he draws this woman's faith out till it crescendos to a level that he says, oh Lord, I, I haven't seen faith like this anywhere. This is something else. What great faith this woman has. But I'd have never thought of that. I wouldn't have. If I'd have been there, I would have thought that what he did was totally inconsistent. I thought he was a God of love. But he's testing her. He's probing her. He's drawing out her faith. And because of our preconceived notions, sometimes we draw the wrong conclusion about God's silence. Amen. Or his lack of intervention. Amen. His lack of activity on our behalf. And we come to the conclusion that God's, well, the Lord's love has changed toward us. Or we come to the conclusion that, that I, I must be unworthy. Or we think that God is punishing us or something like that. Amen. We got to understand. John 11 and 5. The Bible says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And the Bible's real explicit and plain about that. He loved them. Right? The next verse says, When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days in the same place where he was. Huh? Now we all understand, we know that he was setting things up for a faith-building miracle here. But if I'd have been there in a the moment, I'd have been frustrated. Wouldn't you have been frustrated? Amen. I would have been frustrated. I wouldn't have understood. He loves them. But he just stays, he just... He don't go. He don't do nothing. Two days, the same place. And we sometimes think that a lack of response from God, you know, he don't love us or something. It had nothing to do with his love. He loved them. It had everything to do with his plan, his, his great plan and his purpose in their lives. Amen. So there were going to be people that was going to go away from that graveyard when he calls Lazarus forth. Amen. They would testify the mighty things that God had done. Amen. People would write songs. Amen. Some, was, it, was it Carmen that sung that song? And, and he's called, he, you hear the voice of Jesus calling, Lazarus, come forth. The preachers say, if he hadn't said the name Lazarus, everybody in that tomb would have come out when he, preached, when he said those words, you know. And man, we're just, wow, what a sign. What a wonder. He could even raise the dead. That's what everybody went away from that with except for Mary and Martha and probably Lazarus. And they went away understanding that it was a lesson to teach them to trust God. Yes. Amen. Even when we walk in darkness. Amen. John the Baptist is in prison. He sends disciples to Jesus. And the Lord 
sends them back to John. Then he turns around and he says, Verily, verily, I send to you among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. There's not a man in shoe leather greater than John the Baptist. Jesus himself says that. And he does nothing to stop John the Baptist from having his head cut off. Nothing. Surely he's going to do something. I would have done something. But it's obvious that God had appointed John the Baptist with the great honor of being a martyr. Amen. And that, that somehow in God's purpose that would bring more glory to God than if there had been a prison break or something like that that would take place in the big picture that God sees and that we can't always see. Amen. And we have these questions. Why God? Why God? Why God? That's a normal part of living for God. You're going to have questions. Why, God? Why, God? Amen. And folks, it's got the Holy Ghost, and folks will let the Holy Ghost lead them. It will eventually bring more peace into their life and build relationship with Him. Hear me about this right here. Amen. Not by virtue of information they are given, but by virtue of the relationship they build. We all want more information. We think that will solve everything. If He'd just tell me, if He'd just explain let me tell you, it, it, if he explained everything to you, it wouldn't fix everything. He's trying to fix your relationship. You're trying to fix circumstances and stuff like that. He's more concerned about your relationship. And so his responses sometimes are very different than what ours would be. The first thing he wants to do is fix those problems in our personal relationship with him. Amen. But we want the circumstances fixed. And so God gives us information uh, at times, but the main thing God wants is to build that relationship. We want peace and assurance, and God has a different way for us to receive that peace and assurance than just, okay, all right, I'm going to fix this circumstance. I'm, he's wanting to build a relationship where we trust Him even when we don't understand, even when we don't see. All right, I know, I know we're teaching tonight. I know it's a little bit uh, maybe kind of deep like here tonight. Amen. But, but listen, folks. Amen. The Lord wants us to learn to trust Him. Amen. The prophet Amos said, Behold, the day comes that the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor of thirst of water, but of hearing of the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek a word of the Lord and shall not find it. You know why they're seeking? You, you know, you know, I think it would be man if folks really seeking a word from God. Amen. Surely the Lord would give them a word, but He doesn't. You know why? He's already given them a word and they didn't receive it. Amen. That's right. They're just hoping for a different word. Yes. And so the Lord just remains silent. He don't speak. Desperately searching for a word. They wanted very much to hear from God. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. And so they sought to hear, but they wanted to hear something different. And God said, I'm just not going to talk. I'm not going to say anything because they hadn't responded to what I've said already. And so sometimes he remains silent because he wants them to get what he's already said. Amen. And there are times when God will give you something. God will show you something. And then he expects you to be silent about it. Everything he tells you, he doesn't mean you blabber about to everybody about. Some things he shows you just for reference. You keep doing what you're doing, but you got a little reference here, a little more understanding. And you don't go telling everybody and saying everything. You just you just walk in what God is doing. Amen. It's all about working with God. I'm bringing it to a close here. And I said to Kim, come on to the piano so we make everybody sigh with relief. <laughs> and baby, I'm not gonna make you I'm not gonna make you play for 30 minutes. All right. Now uh, this morning, actually it was last night, I was I was reading some of the context of 1 Samuel 13 where Saul uh, makes his fatal mistake and has the kingdom. Uh, 
His kingdom could have been forever, but instead it's taken from him and given to another. And reading about some of the context before and after that, what happened right after the battle and all of that, and I get over 1 Samuel 14, the next chapter over. And uh, the scripture tells us that they were in battle and the men of Israel were distressed that day because that Saul had placed the people under an oath saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. He made a rash oath. Cursed me. Anybody in his frustration in the heat of battle In his frustration because things wouldn't happen as fast as he thought it ought to happen. He makes this rash statement, this rash oath. Cursed be the man who eats any food until evening before I have taken, before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. If he was going to fight the battle, he's probably going to sit up there in a chariot somewhere just like he did when Jonathan went out and then he sent a trumpeter all through the land telling him how that Saul had won a victory. All right? So... So the people, they, they don't taste food. And they came to a land of a forest and there was honey on the ground. And when the people had come into the woods, there was honey dripping. But no one put his hand to his mouth for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan, his son, had not heard his father's charge, the people with the oath. Therefore, he stretched out the end of a rod that was in his hand, dipped it in a honeycomb, put it to his mouth, and his countenance brightened. What it's really saying there is it refreshed him. And he got better after that. Now, wouldn't they have all been better? Well, it'll explain it, but then one of the people said, your father strictly charged the people with an oath saying, curse is a man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. Listen to that. The people were faint. But Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. And the people got so famished that eventually they broke through and won a battle of victory. And they took a spoil. They, they started taking animals and just eating raw flesh with the blood in it. And they had a command from God going way back not to eat flesh if the blood hadn't been drained from it. And they sinned before God because they were so famished because of a rash vow made by the king, an oath by the king, they'd have been, they'd have been able to have the victory much sooner probably if they'd done what was right. If, if, if he hadn't told them that, they could have ate. They could have enjoyed that honey. God put that honey out there. How many remembers that song? There's honey in the rock, my brother. There's honey in the rock for you. So, so, it caused the people to sin. He realized what has happened. And for the first time, Saul builds an altar to try to appease God, lest the Lord destroy his whole army and everything. For the first time, he builds an altar, but, but he's trying to stave off judgment. But listen to this. Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand. So now I must die? Saul answered, God do so and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. Talking to his own son. But the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Jonathan is the one that led the charge. Certainly not, the people said, exclamation point. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his said head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. All right? I'm going to tell you what jumped out at me. The people said, for he has worked with God this day. All right? That's where God's got us this year. He's teaching us to work with Him. Yes, amen. Amen. He's teaching us how to wait on Him, how to walk with Him, move when He moves, and even be silent when He is silent. 
still sometimes and know that the Lord is God. I don't have the answer. But I know this. He's God. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to keep on doing what I know is right. Yes. I'm going to keep on believing. And even when I reach the edge of my knowledge, God, you know what I'm talking about? The Lord knows how to drop that in just the right place. Amen. You didn't know it was there. You weren't expecting it. You would have never anticipated. Amen. But but just at the right time, it's there. Amen. And don't be like, like. Lord, you've done that a long time ago. You're hurting. 
Give the Lord a little more praise here tonight. 